This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From the Norwalk Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. And I'm Lindsay. And today on the podcast, our interview with James, Brian, and Ian from WPI. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics news. I have four news items for you today. First up, BattleBots returns to the Discovery Channel this Thursday at 8 p.m. local time for BattleBots Champions, a new spinoff show that resembles last season's spinoff show, BattleBots Bounty Hunters. Each episode will feature a one-day tournament bracket with eight bots fighting their way to the end to face a final champion. The winner of that match will automatically advance to the final episode where they'll face previous giant nut winners Tombstone, Endgame, and Tantrum for a shot at a brand new trophy, the Golden Bolt. Thursday's episode will see eight bots fighting it out for the chance to face this week's mini-boss, Gigabyte. Sad news out of the UK this week, where everyone's favorite purple, elephant-themed bonker bot Nelly has announced that she is retiring. In a social media post, team captain Sarah Mollian said she had tentatively found a buyer for her heavyweight, which competed on the 2019 season of BattleBots. Since then, Sarah's brought Nelly to live events across the UK, where it enjoys cult status among the fans. Sarah said she plans to retain Nelly's name and will continue to run featherweight versions of Nelly at live events. No word yet on who the mysterious buyer is. Speaking of bots for sale, this year's Hexbug Rivals kit featuring fan favorites Hypershock and Rusty is starting to hit store shelves now. Multiple people reported that their local Target stores had discounted all of their older Hexbug BattleBot kits to clear out space for Hypershock and Rusty. This is one of those rare perfect times to stock up on Hexbug merchandise, so swing by your local Target to check out their selection. Take home a little Rusty of your own. And finally, speaking of Rusty, Team Captain Dave Eaton managed to sell a little over $54,000 worth of Rusty plushies on Kickstarter. $54,000 worth, Chris. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's like like, uh, 5,400 Rusties. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Raising money from 721 people. Including me, I was the one at the end. All right, without me, it would just be 720, Chris. Rusty plushies are expected to start landing in people's mailboxes in November. Any money that's left over will go toward funding the latest version of Rusty on BattleBots. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Team WPI.
This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. This week on the podcast, we have three very special first-time guests. Team WPI Combat Robotics Club President James Wynn, Vice President Brian Boxel, and team member Ian McInerney. Team WPI runs the country's most successful college combat robotics program whose current or former members have run legendary bots like Eruption, Caldera, Stoneforge, Fully Defined, Sepiole, Phantom 3, Clyde, Polywog, Mantella, Silk, Tothic, Narsal, Taurine, Polyester, Waddles, Teleport, and many others. The best-known combat robotics builder to come out of WPI is undoubtedly Bright Force Captain Paul Ventimiglia, who graduated in 2012. We're looking forward to taking a deep dive on the WPI program as it is today in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Brian, James, and Ian. Hello. Hello. I am so excited. Um, Team WPI is like uh, a super, super dominant college team. And when you take a look at kind of the current state of combat robotics, like it is very heavily anchored in college robotics teams and yours is certainly the most successful here in the u.s um so yeah i'm just really stoked to learn how the the program is structured and and um really learn about you know its history and its members so this is a real treat for me so i really appreciate it whenever we have uh, multiple people on the uh the podcast we like to have them introduce one another because uh you know more about one another than i know about you so um maybe we can start off with you brian can you introduce James? So, like, who's James? What does he do on the team? What bots does he run? And do you have any fun facts about James that uh, we can't Google? You know, I don't know stuff. Stuff we might not know. I absolutely can. So, James is the president of the WPI Combat Robotics Club. Uh, he runs the Beetleweight Stoneforge, uh, the Twelve Pounder Teleport, and is a member of Team Switchback on BattleBots. Uh, James is a very organized and fantastic leader. He does a great job um, managing all the club logistics and um, coordinating all of our club meetings. Uh, he is extremely meticulous with his robots, takes his time with each and every one of them uh, to produce very quality machines and make sure that every event he goes to has a, a great showing. And then as for uh, a fun fact about him, he is an absolute menace in the gym. Um, up and coming power lifter turns every shirt he has into a tank top. Very good. All right. Uh, strong start. Uh, James, can you introduce us to Ian? Yep. Thank you for the fantastic introduction, Brian. Here's Ian, uh, infamous wide robot bot builder. Uh, Ian is actually my former high school robotics teammate. And so I'm extremely happy to have him here at WPI as well. Uh, Ian runs the robots fully defined and robots fully defined in waddles and is absolutely the life of the shop whenever we're all machining in there late at night. Amazing. Awesome. All right, Ian, you're up. Uh, who is Brian? Can you tell us more about Brian? What bots does he run? Do you have any uh, fun, embarrassing facts about Brian? Other than that, he's a scrappy Pennsylvanian, apparently. Um, so this is Brian. Uh, he built Eruption. Uh, he's also the designer for Caldera and manufacturer. Um, he's 
major member and driver of Waddles, and now a member of Bloodsport. Um, he's a uh, he, he does things in a way that's very upsetting because he always does it right, and it, it makes me feel bad. Um, uh, yeah, he's just phenomenal machinist, excellent engineer, um, upsettingly good programmer. <laughs> Yeah, you can really see that like in the design and build of both Caldera and Eruption. So can't wait to to kind of dive into that. But first, I, I'd love to learn more about Team WPI. Maybe like we could start with the history of the team and how long it's been running, kind of like how many members you have today. And like, let's say I was an incoming freshman and I was interested in joining the team. Like, what's the culture like? Kind of how often do you meet? Just basically... Can you give me an introduction to Team WPI? You want to say James, I guess, is the president. You want to tell us a little bit more about the team? Yeah, absolutely. So Team WPI is a is a uh, robotics club out of WPI. Um, so we are one half of our robotics club. Uh, it's two divi- it's two divisions. It's uh, the VEXU division, and then it's the Combat Robotics division. Uh, the club was. Uh, Created about four years ago, I believe, by some of the Ribot members. Um, they've done a fantastic job of building up the club, and you know we we really do get to stand on the shoulders of giants. They've built a really great foundation for us. Um, if if we're looking to uh, have if we're looking at a freshman joining the team or uh, any new members joining the team, uh, since we do have a lot of graduate students as well, um, the club is super super great atmosphere we really try to create a really positive culture with the club um it's really really fun having uh having a bunch of people in the shop um you know midnight all of us are kind of making robots super cool environment uh we do meet twice a week for a few hours um we technically only meet two uh two times a week for a couple hours but all of us are building every single day of the week pretty much all day. So it's a really cool atmosphere. Um, it's a it's pretty laid back in terms of structure, uh, to be honest. Um, the, the club is primarily built upon uh, students and team members kind of learning on on their own. So we have one robot per, um, per individual typically. But what we do do, and I think we do a really good job of it, is we all collaborate on each of our respective robots. So it's kind of a really really brief uh summary of the club i could see when i was listing out all of the the names of these like legendary wpi bots that like you know everyone was smiling um just because you know when when you see a wpi bot like it is memorable like it is it is hard hitting it is like tough and they're really different from one another like they're all super custom builds um like how (laughs) I guess, how do you manufacture greatness, I guess, in combat robotics, like as a club? Like when I look at the top rankings for Beetleweights, like it's just littered with Team WPI bots. Like how how does that happen? Like, is that intentional on the team? You know, like, can you can you talk a little bit about that? James was just mentioning how we do a good job of working together and collaborating on our robots. Um, I often think to myself, when you're up against some of these like legends in the Beetleweight sport, like Jameson Go and Calvin Eba, how do you compete against these people who have been in the sport for like a, a decade or more? Um, and Team WPI's solution to that has 
than to kind of crowdsourcing information and collaborate as much as possible. So because we've been able to field so many robots over uh, the four years or so that we've been a club, we've gained a lot of knowledge on what does and doesn't work and different ways to uh, assemble your common mechanisms like uh, your drives and weapons and uh, what combinations of electronics do and don't work. And because of that, we're able to uh, give beginners a really good starting point, and the more experienced members are able to really excel and like ele elevate their game to the next level. Awesome. How how many people are on the team right now? Like, how many are active? How many are kind of building but haven't competed yet? You know, like, is it is it a large team at at, at school? Um, we have a core group of. Most of the robots you've mentioned all have usually one, maybe two people working on them. And that is kind of the central beetle group. And then we have a group of about maybe five or six plastic ant weights running. And so every single one of those has a person who's working on it. Uh, from beyond that, we also have a large group of maybe, I don't know, 50 people overall who are kind of keep watching what's going on and are starting to work on their own concepts starting to get go down the pipeline of ants to beetles to bigger. Wow. Wow, that's a big team. Um, I, I want to touch on the plastic ant weights because I think it's a really interesting kind of entry into the sport. Um, so, like, how does it work? Let's say I show up, I indicated that I'm interested. Like, do I have to build my own plastic ant weight and fight it? You know, like, what's what's kind of like the first step for a, for a new builder on the team? So... So, as most people know that do combat robotics, it's a pretty high barrier to entry to do beetles. Um, beetles are not a very cheap um, weight class. Uh, you do have your kit solutions, um, which makes it a lot more accessible. But our approach to the solution is to um, create this plastic ant weight competition. Uh, the robots don't cost more than fifty to seventy-five dollars each. Uh, we provide all the electronics to the to all the club members. Um, we provide a bunch of resources. We do a bunch of workshops. Um, we have a bunch of general body meetings where we show each step of the process. Um, and so we find that it's really, really easy to iterate and make mistakes at the plastic ant weight at the plastic ant weight level, where it takes maybe a week to make a robot. Um, and they bring all this knowledge from plastic ant weights to their eventual beetle weights and you know uh, the even bigger weight classes. Awesome. I'd love to hear, like you know. What was your first robot at WPI? Like, was it very good? You know, can you... Because, like, when I think about Fully Defined Stoneforge, when I think about, you know, Eruption and Caldera, I'm like, wow, these are really incredible bots. Like, did your bots ever suck? You know, like, did you did you start off with plastic, plastic ants? You know, like, can you can you talk about that kind of early building journey for, for each of you? So I'll, I'll hop in here. Um, I probably, of the three of us, stumbled the most when building plastic ants. Um, so my first, I, I started out with a little bitty Valkyrie clone, basically, um, and had a nasty tendency of having its weapon get ripped out the bottom. But, uh, it, it was really, it, there's a, you can kind of, it really did okay, right? Cause I'm dealing with, I'm working with people who are just as new to this as I am. So, I mean, I can still win a fight or two, even though my design is nowhere near where it would need to be to be at Norwalk. And there's a bunch of shared design lineages between that and, for instance, all the beetles I build. 
of all the lessons that I learned from getting that thing absolutely annihilated uh, a couple of times, uh, everything you learn, it, it's almost better to have a robot that gets destroyed because you learn a lot more. Yeah. Uh, James, Ryan, like any uh, reflections on your, your first designs, your first bots? Yeah, so my first combat robot, uh, I built in the fall of 2019, uh, a long time ago. It was a plastic ant weight version of Black Dragon. It was a two-wheel drive beater bar. And I did this, like, belt drive thing, and basically the whole robot ended up being very, very long. And if you know anything about robots, that means your centimeter mass is really far forward. And this thing, as a result, could not turn or really drive at all. It could, like, shake across the arena a little bit, but, oh, it was a mistake. Uh, I learned a lot just uh, about, like, proportions of robots just from that that one first robot um, and kind of took that lesson with me through all the other weight classes. Awesome. Awesome. Um, in terms of, like, plastic ants, do you have an arena? Like, how often are you fighting plastic ants, like, at school? Um, is it, like, a structured we fight once a month, or is it, like, every time we're meeting, we're throwing some plastic ants in there, and we're, we're driving for fun? So, uh, so last year, uh, we had a plastic ant competition about once a month. Uh, we're going to change this. Uh, we're going to change the structure of the competitions to uh, once every quarter. Um, we find that it's a lot better for for students and club members to take a little bit more time to iterate. Uh, so yeah, we do have um, our quote unquote official WPI plastic ant competitions. Um, usually it's about 10, 10, 15, 20 people uh, competing. Nice, cool. And even like the beetleweight builders, like have you now subsequently built other plastic ants and do you just crush all of the, the new members, um, you know? So it's it's typically a trend for uh, for builders to not go back to the ant weight competition whenever they've built a beetle. Um, I also started out on plastic ant on the plastic ant competition with my robot Dragonstorm. Yes, it's a Magic the Gathering card. If you haven't caught on to the trend of uh, Stoneforge and Dragonstorm, but um, yeah, I I think there's only a couple builders uh, from the WPI uh, Combat Robotics Club that. Uh, compete in both beetles and ants. Got it. Cool. Um, I would also love to understand the types of resources that you can get through the school. Like, I'm assuming there's a maker space. You know, like, do you? Is it a shared maker space where they're also building other stuff, or do you have your own equipment? Can you talk about the? Or I guess also like on the money side, like, do you get money from the school to buy your components? Like, can you talk about how WPI supports the the club? So starting out with the resources that we have available to us for like machines in the makerspace and everything, we are very fortunate to have access to our school's machine shop. Uh, it's called the Washburn Shop, so later in the podcast, if you hear us just say Washburn in passing, we're referring to WPI's machine shop. Um, there's uh, about four different or uh, five different Haas mills, a couple of different Haas lathes there, all sorts of manual tooling. Um, and having access to those machines allows us to create these really unique, fully custom robots. Now, with that comes the incredible amount of time that we spend there. Um, and on the note of sharing it with other 
clubs and uh, like academic programs on campus. Um, it is very difficult to spend the amount of time that we do in the Washburn shops uh, alongside everyone else. So that's why we like to take the graveyard shift. We will work from midnight to 7 a.m. on a regular basis. Um, and then uh, WPI does have a, a variety of 3D printing resources available. Um, they really only allow you to print in like basic materials like uh, PLA. Um, which isn't all that great for combat robots, but it does work really well for the Plastic Ant Weight League. Um, so the majority of us do have our own 3D printers that we print on. Um, and as for uh, financial help, um, the way that we have our budget set up is that if you want to debut a new robot or get into it, you can get your... Uh, your whole first robot reimbursed up to a certain amount, but it's usually enough to cover the, the whole first version. So that definitely helps uh, people to get into the sport. Um, now, some of your more experienced robots like myself and Stoneforge and Fully Defined, we put in a little bit extra to supplement what the club pays, but I, I think that is to be expected. Right, right. I, I would love to jump to like, so WPI has fielded a successful battle bot and ribot, you know, like, do you think there is a second heavyweight on the horizon? Like, will this current iteration of students build a ribot killer? You know, like, is there a <clears throat> 250 pound stone forge or fully defined or eruption, you know, like in the works? So I never want to count anything out. Um, I don't believe we're going to create a 250 in the near future, at least with the current students. Um, a lot of us are really enjoying um, really going in, in depth with the insect weight leagues and the 12 pound league and the 30 pound league. Um, so for the time being, I would say no to that question. Um, but, you know, never say never. Right. Right. I'd love to, to hear more about Ribot. You know, like I, I am considerably older than the three of you, but I do remember being in college um, clubs and like kind of coming into a club and really looking up to the members who are already there and learning a lot from them. And then when it's your time to lead the club, like putting your own spin on it and kind of building your own culture and your own thing. So like, can you talk about, you know, the ribot DNA that's still in the club, you know, like what it was like coming into the club and watching them build this heavyweight on campus. And, you know, like, can you basically talk about how Ribot is, uh, you know, you know, built, like, uh, how, how they've impacted the club and kind of like what the relationship is today? Yeah, so the Ribot, the Ribot team is a very, very, very impressive group of individuals. Um, every single one of those individuals on that team um, has impacted the club impacted the club to a really really great extent um david has david jinn has done a really really great job of leading the robot team and he's done an excellent job of um of passing that dna of uh competitive combat robots throughout the rest of the um throughout the rest of the team from david um david to christian to nick Hom, um and then to me um really trying to make the the club super super successful um 
in terms of the in terms of the relationship with the rest of the robot people, we're all still really close to them. Um, we will banter about silly little combat ideas. Um, a lot of the a lot of the really weird, wacky ideas on Stoneforge, and I think Eruption as well, come from the robot members. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, at least a lot of my success is definitely attributed to them. A lot of the really wacky ideas on Fully Defined come from trying to spite a specific robot member. <laughs> <laughs> All right, say more. I got. I got enough. So okay, uh... Christian. Uh, I, Christian was cut off my point of contact when I was first designing Ribot. Hey, not Ribot. God, I need to learn to speak. Um, it was first designing Fully Defined. Um, and it's a lot of the really terrible design decisions I've ma- I made were specifically when Christian told me not to make them, just to see if I could get away with it. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, uh, I, I, so like, you guys love the insect weights and like um i'd love to hear so like i i know we see you at norok all the time but like where else does the team compete like is there another league that um that you know you're you're really big into so ian and i are actually both from austin uh from both from austin texas and so um if if you saw the recent robotica event um there's some team wpi representation there so i think that we'll we'll be competing there more uh if there's going to be some more um some more competitions held by the Robotica organization and the Houston area combat robotics organization. Um, so yeah, you, you'll definitely see some uh, competitions in Texas. You'll definitely see some competitions in California where, where you'll see some uh, team WPI representation. So yeah, we're, we're um, all uh, kind of bitten by the combat bug. So we'll, we're not too afraid to travel across the country to compete with our robots. Yeah, like right now, Norwalk is building out this kind of history of Norwalk behind the scenes series of videos. And I've, I've been doing some of the interviews for those. And um, I was talking to Ryan Saslow, kind of like the the second guy hired at Norwalk. And um, he was telling me, he was like, you know, WPI, they showed up one day and like vouched for us, basically, like went to a competition and then decided Norwalk is legit. And from there, like Norwalk just started growing like crazy. And W, like the team and Norwalk are like, I don't know, I, they're so synonymous. Like when I think about Topic and Silk and Eruption and Caldera and like, where can I see these like amazing bots? You know, like I think of Norwalk. So like, I'd love to get your thoughts on Norwalk, you know, like good, bad, indifferent, you know, um, on the league and, um, you know, your kind of unique stamp on on the league so far so when we're building our beetles norwalk is usually the central focus of what we're building them for so that's kind of it's usually the end goal because it is such a high level of competition um so if you can if your robot can survive at norwalk your robot can probably survive anywhere so it's it's really central in our focus when we're designing robots we're designing them frequently to thinking about how other Norwalk bots are going to be fighting them. For me personally, Norwalk has sort of assumed this position in the center of all of my hobbies. I find myself so hyper-focused on Norwalk that I spend so much time building stuff for that competition. And it's because I love it. 
I love everything about Norwalk. I love the atmosphere when you're there. Everywhere you look, you see these super awesome robots. You see uh, amazingly smart and friendly people. You can go up and talk to anyone. It is an amazing culture there. Um, I love talking about Norwalk to anyone who might not have uh, heard of it before. Um, I think it is a, a fantastic program that um, you guys are building down there. And I hope it continues and continues to grow and be successful. Awesome. I think the reason why w, why Team WPI loves Norwalk so much is because WPI often recruits, not recruits, but a WPI often attracts um, people that do competitive robotics in high school. I know all three of us did competitive ro robotics in high school at a pretty high level. Um, and Norwalk is kind of that next step for us. And so us being able to have a competitive outlet for robotics, it's there's no better thing in the world. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I, uh, I would love to kind of switch over and learn a little bit more about each of you individually. So starting with you, James, I guess we, we can just stay with you. Um, you know, like, so Stoneforge, um, I feel like I didn't see a lot of the bot. And then I saw a ton of the bot when you like went incredibly deep, like went to the grand finals for your qualifier earlier this year. Um, and it was just like, so impressed with your performance um for someone who hasn't seen stoneforge who didn't catch you know march norwalk can you describe stoneforge um and tell us a little bit about its specifications and, and how it's built so stoneforge um stoneforge is really designed around the idea that combat robotics is a rock paper scissors uh, competition i know that that's a that's a debated on topic but that's that's kind of what it was at the core um, or at the inception of what Stoneforge was. Uh, so Stoneforge is a four-wheel drive modular robot. Um, it's a very, very, very small robot as well. And so everything is designed to be super hyper-optimized. Um, I know that uh, Eruption, Eruption and Stoneforge both have the problem of counting grams. And so you'll definitely see a lot of very intricate pocketing on both robots. Um, yeah, so Stoneforge currently has uh, three three modules. Um, there's going to be two more on the way, so there'll be a five-module Stoneforge, hopefully at December. Um, but Stoneforge has a, a beater module with forks, beater module with a wedge, and a beater and a drum module um, with some AR guards. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's kind of Stoneforge in a nutshell. That's cool. Yeah, and in March you went super deep. Um, I if I'm remembering correctly, and I think I am, you uh, you completed the undefeated bracket. Then you faced Jameson, and he did his kind of classic uh, move up through the through the elimination bracket, and then defeat my final boss twice. You know what I mean? Uh, um, you know, like tell me tell me more about that run. You know, back in March, what what types of changes did you make to kind of see this great performance from the bot for that particular competition? So that March run really starts. Uh, exactly one year prior to that at my first uh beetleweight competition uh at march norwalk in uh 20 2021 um so or 2020 uh so that competition um i i had actually not lost a combat fight up until that point so with my plastic ant weight robot i had gone undefeated with that and my first loss ever in combat was to david Jin with polywog and so after that, I spent the 
the next in the whole year uh making a robot to essentially beat polywog and so um that's uh kind of was a little bit poetic for me that my my best run my best run yet was uh was one year later in march that's really cool um and um and yeah like i'd love to hear more about the grand finals if you remember um back to march you know like facing off against jameson twice um you know like what was that like you know so late in the night so late in the bracket you know um can you talk about that yeah so um i'm sure that anybody that has bought jamo any of jamo's robots and especially silent spring can attest to this but that is a very very difficult robot to fight it hits like a truck it is it's always pointed at you um very little weak spots and so it's really tough fighting um, fighting, fighting Silent Spring. I've never fought a robot like that in my entire combat career. Um, so it was it was a pretty cool um, eye-opening moment for me. Um, the first match, I used my uh, I used my vertical module with my wedge. Um, he was able to rip the wedge off. Uh, second match came back um, and went the full um, full three minutes with the drum module. Um, I think he won every single engagement on that. Uh, but it was definitely a really cool fight um there there's definitely a point in the in the second in the second finals or the grand finals match where i kind of knew that uh that i wasn't going to be able to take that take the dumpster home because silence ring is such a such a hard hitting robot i and then fast forward a couple months like you're at robotica and um i heard from somebody who watched it that uh you basically mopped the floor with um your competition at robotica um tell tell us more about your run there um i think you took home first place is that correct james yes yes i did take home first place um i definitely would not say that i i sweep the competition though it was every single match i had at robotica was a really tough one um but kind of just like how i um how i built a robot to beat um to beat polywog my uh, my first version of Stoneforge, first through fourth version of Stoneforge. Um, this next version, or my current version of Stoneforge, is really designed to beat some of the top uh, top robots in Norwalk. And so I think that I did a pretty good job with this version of Stoneforge. Um, it's uh, it's working really well, and uh, it's it's a very pretty robot in my opinion, which a lot of the club members will give me flack for. But I think it's a uh, Stoneforge is definitely in a top form right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are we going to see the bot at Norwalk before the end of the year, or is the next appearance going to be this new and improved, hard hitting Stoneforge for December? Yeah, so you'll definitely see Stoneforge. Um, you'll see Stoneforge in November. It'll have a little bit of a twist to it, um, but it'll it'll definitely be at uh, it'll definitely be at November. Mysterious. I love it. Okay, good. And then um, I also heard through the grapevine that you have joined uh, Switch back in the off season. Now, obviously, there's no official like word from BattleBots about season seven, um, filming dates, who's in, who's out. But I know that a lot of teams are building up their roster, like bringing on really smart people in the off season. So you got recruited to switch back. Um, can you talk about that? Like, did you know Greg like um, before? Um, before this, you know, like how, how did you meet him? How did he uh, talk you into joining his team? Yeah, so um, I did. Um, so I did high school. Um, I did uh, the first robotics competition in high school with um, with my now teammate Ian. Um, we are also teammates back in high school, and so um, we we had a team FRC two four six 
FRC team two four six eight, and we competed against uh, Greg's team uh, twenty seven fourteen. Uh, competed against and with them, so I'm pretty familiar, or I was pretty familiar with Greg even before I um, I joined Switchback. Uh, we actually won a tournament together in 2020. Um, but yeah, uh, I I did know Greg. Um, I re- I actually reached out to him and asked asked him if I could join Switchback. I was really itching to work on a 250, and I thought Switchback would be perfect since I was in Dallas for the summer. Awesome. Now, Greg um, and I are um, we're, we're I would say we're, we're we're we have a budding friendship, so that's good. Um, and he sent me over like an early render of uh, the design that he's working on. It looks freaking amazing. Um, what like what part of the bot are you touching? Like, are you pit crew member like kind of week of? Are you designing stuff? Are you building stuff like ahead of time? Can you talk about what what you're what you're working on with the bot? Yeah, so without giving away too much about this year's robot, um, I I designed a lot of the robot. Uh, you'll you'll you definitely can see some Stoneforge influence in this robot, um, but I designed uh, designed the the weapon system, um, some of our armor packaging, our front ends. Um, so yeah, designed a, a good portion of the robot this year. Nice, good. Okay, so I guess I saw your CAD. Uh, that's good. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, it looks great. All right, James. This is uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then, uh, just like in general, like, what are you studying at WPI? How close are you to graduation? Kind of like, what's your, what's your plan after, after you, uh, graduate that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I'm a incoming junior. Um, uh, I'm actually taking the first, uh, the first term off of my, um, junior year so that I can work on more combat robots and work on some internship stuff and job stuff. Um, but I'm an incoming junior. Um, so I have a couple more years at WPI. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer, uh, with a robotics engineering minor. Um, yeah, yeah. That's about it with, uh, with my current schooling. Cool. Um, yeah. And then like, I'd love to, to move over to you, Ian, you know, like, uh, high school friend of James and, uh, robotics competitor now like going to the same east coast engineering school that's pretty cool um ian like tell me a little bit like for someone who hasn't seen fully defined you know can you describe the robot tell us a little bit about how it's designed how it's made um and um like what the robot is known for so uh fully defined is kind of the beetle version of i would say axolotl um, that was where the original idea came from. When I uh, first saw a picture of Axolotl, I thought it was a lot bigger than it actually was. Um, and so I thought that was a really cool idea, and then decided I'd try it out. Um, so it's a really large TPU, almost as, it, it's almost as squishy as like a sponge. Um, it's printed like 5% infill. It's really, really light uh, because I don't have the weight for anything else. Um, its entire job is to corral opponents, and now that the weapon spins most of the match, uh, it can hit them. That's good. I, I'm, I'm like a really big fan of just wide, wide boy design. Like, I just think it's great. Like, I love seeing a much smaller robot get captured and pinned and, you know, occasionally popped in the air too like it's great it's like very cinematic it's really fun and i think like when when i think about your robot i think about reliability and just durability and like the ability to 
go, you know, the full three minutes if it has to, you know, um, you know, I, I'm thinking specifically about your run, um, last, last year in November, you went six and two, like it was great. You qualified, um, that, that, uh, that month, um, you know, like how, how, how do you engineer that kind of reliability into the bot? You know, um, is that kind of a core design principle or is that kind of a happy, happy accidents, you know, related to, uh, to the design of the materials? So, uh, a decent amount of it is due to the design of materials, but I wouldn't necessarily call it an accident. So there's I've been I've I put a lot of thought into how to make things so that they're as simple as possible and that when they and that the real challenge, especially with this robot, is that everything flexes. Nothing is ever straight on this robot. And so you need to I need to design all of my systems to be able to flex and be able to operate at any angle which really conveniently helps when they're dangling from a thread uh because they're designed to operate at that angle awesome um i know that you competed twice earlier this year like are we gonna see the bot again like are you coming back to qualify like what's uh what's your what's your plan for for norwalk for the rest of the year um bots doing pretty much bots pretty much together right now so I, i just have to make some new forks for it and then i think i should be able to drop by september Nice. Okay. Brian, um, kind of like the, the man of the hour. Um, I, I love the Boxel story, like, you know, father, son, team, um, really cool, like orange custom bots that do really well. You know, you entered July Norwalk, um, as the top ranked like bot in the field. Um, you know, kind of, I think you're standing at number five of all time with, with eruption. Um, and you were running this new and improved hub motor design. And, um, like, I just love the presentation, like, you know, going up into the pits, like checking out like the poster board and like kind of seeing all of your previous iterations of the hub motor, um, for someone who hasn't seen eruption specifically, um, can you describe the robot and talk about, you know, it's, it's most recent, obviously very successful iteration. Sure. So Eruption is a four-wheel drive vertical spinner. Um, called, it is a type of vertical spinner called the beater bar that is a very um, optimized geometry to hit really, really hard um, and like make the most use of its mass. It's optimized for moment of inertia. Um, what is unique about Eruption is that the weapon motor is actually inside of the weapon. Um, so, in, and actually, uh, fully defined is the same way. Um, what this allows for is the entire robot to be smaller, uh, denser, and the whole thing is like a brick. Um, when it works, it is very, very difficult to kill. Um, the issue is getting it to work. Uh, the... It was not a small amount of research and design to get this thing off the ground. Um, just in the, the two months leading up to July Norwalk, I went through four different iterations of that hub motor, uh, 12 different prototypes uh, in total, and it was crazy getting that thing going. So in the, the days leading up to July Norwalk, I was really sweating it getting it ready I, I had it in a box ready to go but the wednesday before but really i was going into that competition with very little spares um 
the the hub motor spare that I brought to the competition, uh, found out morning of didn't actually work. So if anyone managed to kill the weapon that day, I was not coming back. Um, thankfully, uh, no one managed to kill the weapon, and I was able to make it all the way through um, the winner's bracket. I won the winner's bracket, made it to finals, and had an epic showdown with Twin Beasts in the finals that was just so much fun to be a part of. Um, two hub motor robots, two very, very hard-hitting ro- uh, vertical spinners, and uh, I, I know you, you said it in last week's podcast of the very poetic ending of one robot ending up in smoke. It was it was amazing to be a part of, and I, I'm so happy that it, it went down like that. I love, I love, like, decisive final. You know, like, the worst kind of final is, like, wow, these two robots are incredible. They went the full three minutes, and it is, like, a 9-8 split, and people are pissed. You know, <laughs> like, so much better to be, like, wow, we saw the biggest fire of the night in the finals. Like, how amazing is that? And, like, it's so just, like, decisive. You know, if you're a twin beast, you just gotta, like, sit back and just be, like, round of applause. Like, good, good. Yeah, so that that was that was great. You know, um, I know it's gonna make the highlights package. We're gonna see a ton of clips of it um, very soon. But, yeah, check it out on the the, the live stream um, and uh, see it before it gets, gets clipped. Um... I do want to ask about about hub motors specifically because you put a lot of thought into it. You know, like traditionally, you know, I thought of hub motors kind of like, you know, weta kits and stuff like that, where it's like when it works, it's great, but they're kind of finicky and like, you know, like uh, they, they go down kind of like more often than kind of stay running the full three minutes. Um, you've engineered a lot of toughness into your design. You know, like how does your design improve on other popular hub motors out there? So I think anyone who knows the robot eruption uh, knows that it is synonymous with hard hitting. This robot hits like a truck. It's crazy. Even I shock myself sometimes when I hit a robot and it, it you can feel it. And because of that, everything in the weapon flexes on a hit. And that makes it extremely challenging to design a, a hub motor that is capable of standing um, almost up to like an eighth inch deflection in the, the weapon shaft. There, there are some crazy results of my testing um, at home before the competition. Um, w- when your weapon shaft is deflecting that much, trying to get the stator, to uh, which is like the, the core of the, the motor, to not touch the magnets, which is what like rotates around the stator, uh, is very difficult. Um, I was having issues with the motor literally ripping itself apart um, on big hits, and uh, it, it was it, it was a labor of love. Um, part part of the appeal to eruption is that it, it is a difficult um, engineering challenge. And I've had a lot of fun with it over the the two years of its existence. That's cool. I want to touch on to Caldera. Um, So like, yeah, I I love that your dad runs Caldera. You know, obviously you designed and built it. Um, But like, how did you talk your dad into getting into combat robotics? Like, how did you build him basically robot? Like where was his knowledge like when he started versus today? Like, you know, he's 
he's now designed his own mini bot. Like that's really cool. Um, yeah. Talk about like your, your kind of teammates, I guess in, um, in, in Glenn. Yeah, he definitely is my teammate with that robot. That's for sure. Um, so our relationship in robotics goes back to my freshman year of high school. Um, I got into the VEX robotics competition with a friend of mine, um, at the start of high school, we were a private two person team. Um, and we would travel around new England competing at all these different high school competitions. And we would go the four of us, me, my friend, and our, our two dads, um, come, uh, junior of high school uh, unfortunately my friend moved and uh, i was down to a one-person team and at that point it became uh my dad and i traveling around new england doing the same thing that we had been um and we were we were very successful with that um i won dozens of competitions in high school i traveled uh, nationally did well at the world championships and suddenly at the end of high school, that all came to an end. And when that ended, we immediately began looking for what's next. Um, about a year later, we found Norwalk and I saw an opportunity, uh, to, get involved with that, to bring out like my competitive robotics side and get super into something again and i could do it with my dad this time so in high school he just kind of had to sit on the sidelines and watch me build the robot but now we could do it together and that was awesome so the the first couple of versions of eruption were were just me i i designed the whole thing um and then i brought him to a norwalk and on the way home he said i want one so he gave me a couple of ideas to start sketching up, um, and I designed the first version of Caldera for him. Um, and then from there on, we were we we've been to every Norwalk since, um, and competed with Eruption and Caldera. He would run Caldera, I would run Eruption. Um, he takes care of all the uh, the driving and the building and the maintenance. I take care of the the design and manufacturing of it. Um, and along the way, I've been slowly teaching him how to build, how to design robots. I've been teaching him how to work with CAD, um, teaching him all about 3D printing, um, have started teaching him how to do CAM so he can do his own machining, because I don't want to do that anymore. It is too much time. Um, and you can kind of see that all coming together in the, the mini bot that Caldera has been running with. Um, recently that that robot is 100% him I haven't touched that at all it is the uh like his, his first um his swim in the the ocean of combat robotics and uh learning all the the things he needs to before he can come back with his own 100% him beetleweight amazing that's so like so when when we see Caldera on the box with the minibot like back in July so you're running you're driving the minibot he's driving the main bot right that's cool so there's a lot of strategy that goes on uh in that minibot actually it is difficult to be a horizontal spinner in the the age of the vert uh right now it seems like 70% of Norwalk is vertical spinners now which spells doom for horizontals 
Um, the trick is that when a vertical spinner faces Caldera, a horizontal, they run a titanium wedge 99% of the time. And when you run a titanium wedge against Caldera, that makes it really easy for a mini bot to come in and high center you. So if you go watch the, the last Norwalk stream and you, you watch things like uh, the, the Voxel V1 fight or the Blackbird fight, the mini bot is in a lot of control for a lot of the fight. Um, this past Norwalk, we were trying out a couple of uh, new electronics things in Caldera and they didn't work as well as we had intended, but hey, Caldera was already uh, qualified and we had nothing to lose, so we wanted to try some new things. But we'll be back and fix those problems. We, we learned some things. Uh, final question about Caldera before we jump into all of our fan questions, and there, there's a couple of them in there. Um, so your dad qualified before you did, I guess, earlier on this year. Uh, did he give you a hard time about that? You know, like I, I was like, when, when that happened i was like baffled because like i don't know i just i i think of eruption as kind of like the premier bot and caldera is kind of like the the secondary bot but like you know he he's he's been qualified now for months you know like uh did you hear about it on the way home you know oh i absolutely did absolutely 100 percent. so yeah. i think uh the other two guys here will tell you there is uh a couple of months straight where i was I was saying, I actually think Caldera is the better robot between the two. Um, Caldera was just super reliable. You would be hard-pressed to, to find a, a string of fights where um, Caldera doesn't work. Um, it goes into every fight very prepared and is very tough to kill. And because of that, it does well. It's dead simple and easy to work on. Um, Eruption, on the other hand, is a pain in the butt. Um, the start of this year was me trying out a lot of experimental things with the weapon that often did not go well. Um, and, and also I, I spent the beginning, the very beginning of the year focusing on, uh, our new 30 pound robot. So that kind of sidetracked to work on eruption as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure it it is fair to consider eruption as the the main bot anymore caldera is a serious threat and uh, i am impressed with how how well that that simple robot has done that's amazing that's really cool all right well that is the end of all of my questions and we're going to transition over into uh questions that we got from discord um so uh when Lindsay put out the call she thought it was just brian so a lot of these questions are specifically for brian uh so i apologize in advance james and ian but we'll jump in with all the general questions for you guys um so uh brian starting off here uh norwalk super fan battlebot super fan rider lee angle asks brian was the decision to give eruption a hub motor weapon due to strategy or just as a challenge to do uh that ended up working out for you mm. so eruption has always been hub motor actually um to understand why it was hub motor originally we got to circle back to what we were talking about at the start of the call with the plastic ant weight competition i mentioned that i had built this plastic ant weight that had real difficulties driving so other people at that plastic ant weight competition i saw put the motor in the weapon 
And I thought, wow, that is such a cool way to make your robot compact and it'll solve my driving issues. So I made a two wheel drive, uh, hub motor, plastic ant weight. It still couldn't drive <laughs> because I was bad. Um, so, and then after that, I decided I wanted to get into Beatles. In response to that robot not being able to drive, I said, all right, this Beetle needs to be four wheel drive because if I had wheels up front, then it would turn a lot better. Um, and actually, if you look at the uh, eruption as it ran in 2020, um, it looks nearly identical to the, the secret plastic ink cat that no one has ever seen before. <laughs> um, it, it was a, a direct segue from that. Um, and then I've stuck with hub motor ever since because it was a fun challenge to work on. Um, I do think belt drives are probably more competitive and just way easier to do. Um, but that's no fun. Right. Good. Um, we've got a question here from fellow Bloodsport team member Seth Schaefer, who wants to know, Brian, after your recent stellar performance at NHRL, do you think you would come out on top in a rematch with links? Are you calling out Calvin Eba? Right uh, I get this question a lot uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, I think Eruption has caught up to where Lynx was at 2020 finals. I think I am still a year and a half behind that robot, unfortunately. Um, Lynx is an incredibly, incredibly impressive machine that is hyper-optimized in so many different places that you wouldn't even think of. And you have to look really hard at that robot to see the, the, the absolutely genius engineering going on behind it. Um, and then you have to think about Calvin's driving. Um, I think if you gave Calvin eruption and me links, he might still win. He is a phenomenal driver. Um, so while I am definitely looking forward to the next time uh, I get to fight links, uh, no promises. This is a good uh, kind of follow-up question from Seth, and I, we can we can I can pose this to all three of you. Um, is there a bot that you want to fight now that you've lost to in the past, but you think you'd win today? I guess like a bot that you are salty about, Brian. You know, like is there? A... Yeah, I didn't lose to division. You lost to division. I want him bad. <laughs> After right. the uh, electronics debacle of the last fight and the. Uh, starting of the first fight i want to i want to fight him in a proper normal fight and i really want to rip through the back of his robot again that was kind of an entertaining experience i love it i think seth was like fishing for like a call out but you called him out anyway that's great um Brian, is, there, is there someone who you like pass who you'd think you'd win today you'd love a rematch with uh shred it bro i haven't fought shred it bro in a year and a half uh, and we've only ever fought once, which is kind of hard to believe, actually, because we're both at every single Norwalk. You you would assume that we've crossed paths multiple times. Uh, no, I haven't fought Shredded Bro since Eruption started hitting its stride. Um, I think it is a very different robot now, and I want that rematch. James, is the rematch you're looking for Silent Spring, or is it somebody else? Um, if I were to have one rematch, it would definitely be Polywog. 
it, okay. that plywood was my first combat loss. Um, I'm still really, really good friends with David. Uh, we kind of riff, riff off uh, drum, drum, uh, combat robotics, drum theory quite a bit. And so mm-hmm. definitely want to rematch with him. And if I if I do run if I do have a rematch with him, I will I will run the drum module 100. percent So nice, good, James. I want to stick with you for the next question. This comes from Harvester team member Ryan Hunter. He also runs kind of like the pit logistics um, at Norwalk. He wants to know what is your advice for builders starting out in combat robotics. I think that just built just um just kind of getting just kind of getting into it and um, rushing to make the first robot is a really good um, way to do it. I see with like a lot of builders, um, I kind of fell into this trap as well. You try really hard to hyper optimize um, your first ever combat robot. Um, it's really tough to do that when you have little to no background in it. And so just kind of going out there and competing, getting to know other builders. Um, that's I think that that's the that's the way to do it. Nice. Okay. Um, and then Ian, what is the factor in a robot build that you feel that people tend to overlook? Um. I'm going to say I think people overlook how ridiculously durable TPU is. They they people a lot of people are starting to catch on, but it's it's almost unacceptable how uh durable that stuff is and no one seems to I guess people are using his armor now but uh yeah, for a while there I was kind of felt alone on the TPU front of just abusing it. All right, Brian, you have fought more fights at Norwalk than probably anybody, so this is a good question for you. This is from Alex, uh, who is on the combat robotics team at Northeastern. He wants to know, um, how would you feel about BattleBots moving to a wood floor or Norwalk moving to a metal floor in terms of traction? Thoughts on that? It's a good hypothetical, Alex. So uh, on Team Bloodsport, I work on the front-end attachments. Uh, there's couple of new like wedge lid ideas that we're introducing this year um and they are rooted in what i've learned uh on the wood floor at norwalk um i really really enjoy the challenge of not getting stuck in the floor on the wood floor at norwalk i would be uh i would be sad to see norwalk switch to a steel floor i don't i don't want to play magnet games I, i think that's uh um, not part of the the like spirit of the sport as much as everything else. I think uh, um, things are more excited, exciting when you can hit a robot and send it flying, and it's not just a matter of who can stick to the floor better. I think things are more exciting that way. That said, I'm not so sure a wood floor would work very well for heavies. Uh, those heavyweight robots can dig through the steel floor like it's wood sometimes so i i i think i'm happy with uh the steel floor for BattleBots and the wood floor for norwalk nice uh this is a good question here for james this comes from retired norwalk havoc head referee slash current rit engineering student jim haney who wants to know wpi is probably one of the most successful slash recognizable collegiate teams on the east coast is there anything specific you attribute that to and how can other universities get on the right path? I'm assuming Jim is going to go heavy on combat robotics at RIT and would like to get some of that WPI uh, secret sauce. So uh, what is the secret to success? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I can't attribute the, attribute the success to any one thing. I think that 
all of the club members and the WPI Combat Robotics Club are very, very, very hardworking. Um, you'll see us spend a lot of time, up to 50 to 60 hours a week, just working on three-pound robots. And so you'll see a lot of our first robots are not, not super great, but we do put a lot of hard work and effort into these robots. It does help that we have our machine shop, of course. Um, it does help that we have a lot of really experienced um, combat robotics builders, like some of the robot guys. Um, but yeah, it, all of us are really, really hardworking. Um, I think that that's, that that's really the secret sauce. Awesome. Brian, back to you. Uh, we got a question from Business Cat, aka Brandon Steele, um, who uh, doesn't have a question, but he wants to know, are you bringing a 12-pound eruption to Norwalk? And, uh, you know, if you do, would you uh, fight the dominant 12-pounder, obviously, in the field? Uh, I am considering building a 12-pound eruption at the moment. There are things that need to get done in my life before I can do that. It is like number three on the priority list right now. Um, should it happen? Like on paper, it could happen in like November-ish, but I'm making absolutely no promises on that. I think eventually it will happen. And when it does, uh, I'd be more than happy to fight you, uh, business cat. Amazing, good. Um, all right, this is a good question for all three of you from Madeline, um, who is on Team Fluffy Robotics. She wants to know, what is one bot that you've never fought before that you would like to fight? Ian, let's start with you. Is there a bot? Oh my God, Brian just popped up out of his chair. Brian, all right, we'll start with you, Brian. What's I think Ian and I should have the same answer, actually. <laughs> okay, good. And the answer is polyester um, in the 30-pound division. Okay. Um, Oh, yeah. It's the other WPI 30-pound robot. And we need to show David Janet and Christian Cooper that penguins are the superior animal. That, that's, that is agreeable. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if a penguin saw a frog out in the wilds, you know, it would just be a tasty little snack. That's good. Absolutely. Exactly. Penguins eat frogs. <laughs> How about you? There's a reason why you've never seen them in the same place together. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, James, do you have do you have a bot that you haven't fought yet that you'd love to fight? Absolutely. I think that um, I think that a, a fight against eruption would be really, really exciting. I also think a fight against fully defined would be really would be really awesome. Um, we have the Ian and I have this really weird thing where I'll do really well one competition and he has uh he has a not so successful tournament and then Ian will be killing the tournament and my robot is uh, not doing so great. So I want to have a tournament where we're, both of our robots are in top form. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely these two. I want to see who wins tip to tip. Amazing. Awesome. Um, all right. Uh, this is a question back to Brian. Uh, this is from fallout builder, Matt Lantry, who asks, Brian, can you share slash discuss, more about Caldera's minibot. Does it have a name? And why did you decide to add it to Caldera? Uh, I think I already talked about this a little bit from the strategy side, but the uh, the minibot's name is Magma, sticking with the, the volcanic theme of our robots. Good. Um, Mammoth team member Brandon Bennett-Young, uh, back to you, Brian, wants to know, can you tell me about your background in RC cars? How did you get started in RC cars? Did it affect your journey to combat robotics? So I started RC racing uh, when I was 10 years old. Um, there's a, a local RC track near us that I 
raced at all through middle school, all through high school. We did uh, dirt off-road racing. Um, I learned to handle a pistol grip controller uh, in that field. Um, at the end of high school, I started working at that hobby shop. Um, and I worked all the way up until the starting the start of this summer at that hobby shop, RC Excitement, uh, in Massachusetts. Great place. Um, how does that translate to combat? Um, well, I still use a pistol grip controller for eruption, um, though it has its own set of advantages for like the type of robot that I run. Um, pistol grip makes it really easy to box rush because all you do is squeeze the trigger and you go in a straight line. You don't have to think about it. You just squeeze your fist and suddenly you're across the box as fast as possible. Um, but just learning how to drive, learning how to stay focused, stay calm. Um, in RC racing, especially at some of your bigger races, it, it can get very nerve wracking. So being able to manage your nerves. Um, yeah. Good follow up question here from Brandon. What's your favorite RC class to race in? And what makes it a unique challenge compared to other RC classes? Mm, my favorite RC class? Probably. Hmm. So recently I've been doing uh, outdoor dirt oval racing um, because it's a bit more budget friendly and I can afford it on my broke college student budget that I spend all my money on combat robots anyways. Um, and I, I don't know if I can compare it to what I used to do in high school. I'm I'm having fun with the the mud boss class that I that I do right now. I I don't know if I can make the comparison directly between them. It's like apples to oranges. Brandon wants to know how successful are you at RC racing? Middle of the pack, pretty good in your club, national champion. Question, question, Mark. I wish. <laughs> I I was like solid average, maybe like. If anything, a little above average, but nothing special. And then a good final question from Brandon about RC racing. Um, are there tips from RC cars that you brought into robotics? And then are there tips from robotics that you brought into RC cars? Like, is it, I don't know, are the skills transferable whatsoever? Are the disciplines transferable? Do they make one another better? Or are they really, really different? So when I was young and uh, just getting into RC cars, like back in middle school, I didn't have any robotics experience yet. Uh, RC cars were my first like brush with working with real tools and assembling things and learning about gears and mechanisms and all that. Um, those cars are real engineering. Um, and as a kid, being exposed to that was very valuable. Um, and I learned a lot from them. Uh, and it kind of does go two ways nowadays with a, an engineering background, I like to look at new RC cars that are released and say, huh, that's an interesting design decision. I'm not sure I would have done it the same way, or I, I would like to think about other ways you could have um, innovated RC cars. Now, um, Brian, before I let you go, because we're right here about to our, uh, ask our last question, I'm going to just ask about this because I forgot to ask earlier. Uh, I think it's so cool that you joined Boston Dynamics, you know, um, uh, you know, combat robotics builder working at, you know, the <clears throat> super cool, you know, robot factory there. Um, why aren't there more Boston Dynamics people at Norwalk? You know, like, are you going to be bringing the 
the uh, gospel, I guess, of Norwalk to uh, Boston, you know, dynamics. Like, what is the, uh, what's what? I guess, yeah. <laughs> do you do you see do you see like crossover there at all? Oh, absolutely. There's a uh, a lot of incredibly talented engineers at this place. Um, I think if they started showing up to Norwalk, oh, it would be crazy. They they would bring a whole new level of competition to the field. And don't worry, I definitely have been evangelizing Norwalk to a lot of people uh, at the company. Um, unfortunately for a company that everyone already thinks we build killer robots, it's not a great look to actually build killer robots. So I um we we've been saying this now for a while that like we're really surprised that Austin hasn't bought a spot and like put a um camera on it and just like walked it around as like a cool little thing at Norwalk, like walking through the pits, like walk it around. Um so I'm hoping that we can add one at some point because I think that would be great. Um or oh wow, our Boston Dynamics could sponsor us, I guess. I don't know. That'd be That'd be pretty awesome. That'd be good. Um, all right. Think about it. Um, all right. Final question. And this is a really good thought provoking question from deep six team member slash Norwalk Havoc judge, Andrew Russell. So this is a good one for each of you. Is there a robot? If you had to switch robots with somebody to defeat your own robot, who would it be? Like, I guess, what is the perfect counter to your robot? If you had to switch uh, with somebody else to defeat your own robot, 100%. Uh, Ian, do you have thoughts? Who could defeat Billy Vines with you behind the stick? Billy. Billy? Okay. Is, I have no answer to Billy. It's really, <laughs> really painful. <laughs> okay, good. Billy. All right, that's a good answer. How about you, Brian? Eruption? Um, Caldera. Caldera. You think that Caldera could beat Eruption? With some modifications, uh, yeah, uh, I've kind of always thought that a horizontal spinner um, that can hang in there the entire fight and just, like, handle being roof-shotted, like, ten times will eventually take its toll on the egg beater and and win. Um, I, I do still think that that is a, a valid thing that can happen. So when I, when I do say call there, I, I mean any, any horizontal. Um, believe it or not, uh, from the July event, I Sepiol did more damage than anyone else. Did way more damage than the Brazil bots. Uh, Eruption was hobbling after Sepiol. Wow, wow. All right, well, you've burned your answer already, but I'm curious. You know, like now you can't say uh, Eruption, but like who could defeat Caldera with you behind the sticks? Is there a perfect counter to Caldera? Ah, <laughs> uh, in. Silent Spring Vert module. Okay, nice, good. Um, all right, James, uh, you've got the last word. You know, Stoneforge. Is there a robot that you'd like to drive, or I guess hypothetically that you drive that you think could defeat Stoneforge? I think the the low hanging fruit on this one would be Silent Spring. Um, I think Silent Spring can definitely do a number on uh, on Stoneforge. That the the blade on the undercutter is bigger than my robot, and so I think yeah, I think it it'll. It'll definitely do a number. Um, I think a, a pretty close uh, second to that would be Eruption. I think Eruption has a has a lot of really really good things going going on in in that machine. So definitely choose those two robots. Amazing. Well, this was such a treat for me, and I'm so glad that we were able to connect like for the last hour. Um, uh, Team WPI is incredible. I think you obviously have so much momentum, and that is 
just so cool to see. I am so glad we were able to talk Ian, Brian, and James, and best of luck with all of your builds, and can't wait to see you at a future Norwalk very soon. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Russia. Yes, where you guessed it, a chess-playing robot broke a seven-year-old boy's finger during a match. Surprise, surprise. The boy apparently moved his chess piece too quickly and confused the violent robot, which ended up crushing his finger against the game board, a Russian news outlet said. The boy was pinned for several seconds before adults jumped in to rescue him. Good news, he did survive, and he returned in a cast the following day to complete the game. So, uh, yeah, no, I come here every week. I'm always a little skeptical of these robots. I think sometimes people think I might be overreacting, but we never would have assumed that just a a docile chess robot would end up breaking a, a small child's finger. So I think I think there's room to be skeptical, no matter what robot we're discussing. I don't know about you guys. I um I will say that there is an accompanying video of this robot attack, and it is disturbing. Do not watch it if you're close to lunch or dinner. All right, this robot, it's got this you know like whole hand, and the the kid's moving the chess piece illegally and the robot just pounces and just (laughs) pins this kid's hand against the table. And the kid is just screaming, you know, he's broken his hand. It's wild. What's the matter, comrade? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing is like when, when you read the, uh, the news article, the, uh, the, the person who was running this chess tournament, by the way, this kid is like one of the top 30, under nine-year-olds in chess in Moscow. Not anymore. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, uh, the, the, the quote is perfect. He's like, so um, a chess robot has, you know, crashed a child's hand. This is, of course, not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just that classic Russian kind of like yeah. understatement, you know. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Listen, it could have ended way worse. That that robot also had a knife on him, okay? <laughs> yeah, could have could have clubbed the the kid over the head with like a vodka bottle. You don't want to you don't want to mess with the Russian checkers robot, okay? Cuz that thing plays dirty. Yeah, it just starts swinging wildly. And it never moves its back row. It just gouges your eyes out with a with a piece. It just immediately invades your side of the board without <laughs> any strategy. Ha. Oh. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah. Well, that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode. Nicole, you do such a great job. Thank you so much. And we'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. There once was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teed. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds all go, my scaly girl go. Soon may the spinner man come to knock Two weeks from shore, when out did come a metal jaw, the captain called all hands and swore he'd take that spinner in tow. <gasps> Soon may 
Right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her teeth 